Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of book 3 of the prequel, um, Life Before the Alien Magic. This book is titled, The Birth of the Three. I hope you enjoy it. Here we begin. King Sosha declared, You, King Pink, you can end this war before it begins. All you need to do is surrender. Meet our demands, and your place in the Abyssin is secure. You must be defeated. You have not once known defeat. It's not like we have. You are our brethren, brethren full bloods. It is not too far to for us, us. Is not too far a stretch. Becoming like we are, elves, you must forsake what you have been. There is no alternative. A foolish demand we make certainly, but we must prove at least in this one instance that we are not the base and corrupt ones. We want elves to choose to be like we are, not arrogant divine ones who refuse all others their privilege and eminence. We are not unreasonable, although your kind certainly are. It must be the human qualities within you that make you this way. There is no reasoning with you with this. We were right to seek to exterminate the humans. Why the half-breeds, I wonder? Who decided this compromise? I wouldn't be surprised if it were the elven gods. You must have known that the half-breeds would seek to master both races one day. King Socha trumpeted, Surrender Castle Wren. You and your brethren may leave with your bodies and with your blood fruit. You must leave the rest. Your first forest may be accessed from here, but only from here, by those we choose, after you have made concessions and have come to the table. King Pink replied, is that, what all you, is that what all of you think? I want to hear from each and every one of you. Well, you there, you with the crown atop your head. No human king rules without us elves allowing it. What land do you rule over? Tell us who the elf is that has permitted you a nation. For he must most certainly have run that idea by me. I am most calculating in the reigns of the humans I recognize. My name is Chase, replied the distinguished, fearless, red-haired, blue-eyed man. And I am the first of the line of kings of the people known as the Wukdu, the dragon-bred. My race will inherit the world that is to come. The Wukdu? A curious race of men, to be sure, insisted King Pink. I have seen your men on the horizon, distinguished, respectable, wealthy, victorious. I've anticipated your coming for a hundred years now. How is it you have fallen in with this, these scoundrel half-elves? They want nothing that can benefit them. They are ignorant and crass. King Chase shrugged and his head swiveled as if it were on a greased track. Sometimes it is required that I take action that I enter the, into our relationships with some to improve my odds of success, as the best victories are achieved without war or preparing for war. And this victory over us, such that the elves will lose all that they stand for, what do you expect to gain from that if the half-breeds have their way? King Chase frowned. From that, only my nation, my nation, I understand, is contained within the walls of your castle. The life of my nation begins once your castle, Castle Wren, is reduced to rubble. King Pink winced, then thoughtfully nodded. 
I know my castle, from the depths of its wells to the tops of its parapets. I know what is contained behind every stone. If the first step to your nation rise, nation's rise lies within, then you must surely reveal it to me. You may enter my keep. If you prove to me your nation exists within, the elves must surely step aside. I will gladly allow for Castle Wren's collapse. King Pink turned and spoke to his troubled and perplexed generals. We must watch this king of the Wukdu. Preferable he is, certainly, to these beastly half-elves. We need not fight. Instead, have someone fight our battles. What if we arm him, give him wealth and an army, a powerful ally against these rogue half-breeds and the vulgar humans aligned with them? We have deceived the humans all since the beginning. It is best we deceive them further and keep them weak. We must make this Wukdu king the perpetuation of all of humanity's subjugation and service, a victor for the elves, though the elves appear poor and shackled. For the first time, we must have a powerful ally among the humans, one we will recruit to wipe out the half-breeds. Queen Penshaw, the one queen of the full-blood elves, stood on the balcony outside the royal bedchamber of Castle Wren, looking down at the half-breeds that had mustered outside the walls of the last kingdom of elves, shielded by stone and defended with frightful weapons. So it has come to this, stated the queen, a war to end the peace promised by the elves. Lady Degar approached the queen and stroked her perfumed hair to comfort her. Do not fret, the human prompted the queen. The half-breed's weakness is that they are half-human. They suffer pain. They are cowards. They are not loyal. They are weak to a man. Conflicted. They have only themselves individually to answer to. Their king he is the weakest and the most conflicted of them all. Although we may be outmanned, 15 to 1, we can hold this place. We will not let this kingdom fall. How can we? It is the doorstep to the idyllic elven world. The first forest. Elves from all over will light up throughout Castle Wren if to protect the refuge. The dwarves, the half-breeds, the humans, they will not stand a chance. If history is an indie indication, they never have. Lady Penshaw turned to her aide, Degar. She took her forearm in her hand and traced the crusty, crinkled lace with her finger and smiled. Why are not all humans like you? You respect the elves. You trust the elves. You offer the elves your service. You would offer up your life if called upon. You know what's best for you. How is it that humans and those partially human are so reckless with their lives and their livelihood? Degar smiled. I have been by your side for more than 20 years. A long time for me, if not for you. I know you have what's best for all humans at heart. Lady Penshaw smiled and earnestly wrung aid to Gar's wrist. I have something I want to show you. The elves will not fade away. Come and have a look. Humans must hope. An admirable trait, certainly. Elves could certainly learn from humans. What need had the elves of hope? None till now. And Penshaw approached her bed. With a smile and a wink, the queen wrestled with a bad stand and maneuvered it out of, out of the way. 
She swept her, she swept her gentle fingers along the contours of the wall, uncovered a hidden panel, and punched a knot in the wall. And a hidden door popped open, tracking stripes across the carpet. One outstepped a frightful column of flame, so bright that Lady Degar had to cover her eyes. What is this? queried the woman, falling back. She summoned all her sense, calling on them to best decipher the enigma that unfolded before her. Queen Penshaw uncertainly knelt down and offered a hand, touching the spring of water as a delicate green shoot. A lean female elf extended out of the hidden chamber, overtaking the chill and the dark. She took the queen's hand and emerged. This here, stated the queen, smiling despite tears, is Pasco. Lady Degar studied the teenager, as if she were contained within a waterfall. Who is this? She must be an elf, that's for sure. She looks like your sister, but I don't have a sense of her. Not like I do other elves. Not like you. I mean, whenever I'm among any number of elves, I can feel it. Like electricity, making my hair stand on end, giving me goose pimples. I should have known she was here. I should have felt her through the walls. Come here, urged the queen of her fellow elf, kneeling, inserting her hand between her thighs. She stood then directed her to the bed, and both seated themselves. The queen demonstrated cheer. She tugged at the teen, but Pasco sat limp, not responding to her enthusiasm. This here, confirmed Queen Punchaw, this is the elves' hope, the last of the firstborn, undeniably the one queen of the elves, of all elves, of the saplings, of the half-breeds too. The blood of the gods, the seven gods that were slain, flows through her veins more than anyone else. You are a cipher, a thread, insisted the human, looking at her, looking past her. You are a threat. I fear you more than cutthroat half-elves and humans. Tell me why I should not kill you. I've never heard such an outrageous statement coming from you, asserted the queen. Don't let her get to you. Who are you? asked, asked Pasco. How is it I see you both? You are not among the living, are you? I know the gods. I am always in the company of the gods. They know to respect me, to leave me alone when it is in their best interest. The gods use me. They tell me their secrets. I have used that knowledge. But how is it I find myself here, among those I need, to not, I need not know? Do you have something of the, on the gods that I should know? Queen Penshaw laughed nervously. She gripped Pasco's two hands firmly and squeezed, then grimaced, then fought to smile. Please, the queen urged her sister elf. You have been in hiding and away from other elves for far too long. Your social skills are suffering. I understand. It is difficult to be an elf that has been denied the company of the elves for so long. You've only known contempt and need for vengeance. Tell me why I must observe etiquette around a human who is clearly no one of consequence. I'm sorry, stressed the queen. She may be cruel, she may be edgy, but once you get to know her, you find out from how special she is. I sense war is brewing, insisted Pasco. It is the smell of iron and sulfur. How is it I become the prize of every war? Can you appreciate what it is to be the award of every war? 
the elves fight. The gods want me to annihilated for the secrets I carry, but I end every war with a truth exposed. Will you end this war too? Come with me. Let me show you. And the queen escorted her fellow elf to the balcony. I don't understand, swore the teenage full-blood elf. These have elf blood in them. I hear it pulsating within them. I see it burning within them. Elves have never fought fellow elves. Why do you, they want the pure ones dead? For the order of and the purchase of murder of half-bloods and of humans over the course of centuries. Lady Degar slipped in behind the pair and placed hands on their backs. This woman is like no other elf that I know, other than her arrogance. Why have I not sensed her? Why is she like a phantom? Why don't I see her as so well, or hear her so well? It's like she's on two planes at once. There's only one being that can break me to the, bring me to the fore and make me complete. Otherwise, I cannot help the elves. Can't help the elves, can't help the half-elves. Can't help the humans. The gods have put me here. In your company. They must believe in you. Quick, will you direct me to that one person? Can you take me to the elf Pindar? Listen, commanded Queen Penshaw. She shot up straight into the air. My brother comes. What is that that approaches with him? Awkward, simple, smells of the grave. Pasco said solemnly, Your death, the two of you, is close at hand, at the very door. There you have it. Another war I have decided. Queen Penshaw pulled at her fellow elf Pasco and swiftly escorted her from the balcony to the hidden chamber. She closed the panel in the wall and replaced the nightstand just moments before King Pink and King Chase entered the queen's chamber through the bedroom door. Hello, brother, barked the queen. It does not bode well for the full bloods that call the first forest home. What is this, human? I see war in him. I see the ruin of this castle. I see something else. I see death. But whose? Why are you so naive and trusting? We do not allow humans here, for fear they could enter the first forest and raise it. Don't you see what any elf sees in him? Our demise? The queen and human king exchanged knowing glances. It looked as if the Wukdu leader was considering throwing himself off the balcony. My nation, does it begin and end here, with you? There is something more he brings here. I am so surprised you are blind to it. I deceive this human here. How he is contained within a dream, entranced. Yes, you are my puppet. Kill this vulgar human, king of the Wukdu. The vulgar humans, the humans chained to death, their god, they will die to be replaced by the dragon bread led by this man. My choice to rule humankind throughout the Abyssin, much more able for the elves to govern humanity than to own 20 different thrones. My control over him, it is not complete, not yet. This will complete my grip. For his complicity in this crime will allow me full control over him. King of the Wukdu, King of the Dragonbred, prove your loyalty to me. Kill this human. King Pink offered the human his silver blade. King Chase looked at it as if drunk, unable to comprehend it, as if in a stupor. Wait, 
and sister of the queen's aid. You don't need to kill me. What's this you say? queried the king of the castle wren. Do you know something I don't? There is a secret, a secret your sister is keeping from you, even now. Queen Penshaw lunged at her loyal companion before either King Chase or King Pink could intervene. The queen took the knife from a perplexed King Chase and cut her faithful companion's throat. The blood pooled as Lady Degar crumpled to the floor. King Pink warily studied her, his sister. You surprise me. He circled the armed woman. I must admit, I did not see this coming. Maybe that's what's, what makes the two of us brother and sister, that we can effectively deceive everyone, deceive every elf, even ourselves. Certainly an uncommon trait among the elves, but I know there is something you won't see coming. And with a chirp, the king motioned for the human to sweep in behind the queen, effectively disarm her, and force her to kneel her dress soaking up the crimson blood. Having successfully upended her, King Chase said, I am so very sorry. King Pink stepped up to her crying, fighting sister. He reached behind her head and pull, pulled tightly at her unraveling bun of hair. So sister, being one of the last of the firstborn, myself being the other, it is difficult to deceive. Tell me this secret that this foolish human thought well enough to spare her life. You must know this about me, your brother, maintained King Pink. I have been busy these last thirty years, planning my coup, recruiting a god I can manipulate, crafting my takeover of the elf nation of the, and the Abyssin, deceiving you, deceiving everyone, my full control over everyone. You must know that. I've heard the tales organizing gangs to kill humans and the half-elves, befriending Sanford the Sinister, weaponizing Elf-Lime, having one half-elf killed for another, none most vile. So, you have heard of my exploits. My efforts have not gone unnoticed. I have kept my eye on you, brother. No elf knows more about you. No elf has had more reason to want you dead than me. Tell me this secret urged King Pink. Do tell, for I have been to hell. I have, and from those elves I met there, who have lessened their suffering by learning how best to inflict pain, I have learned so much, how best to torture someone. There's nothing for me to say, insisted Queen Penshaw. Whatever she was about to tell you, it was a lie, only a lie, all to purchase her own life back. Let me show you this blade, the same blade you swipe from me. Do let me show you. King Pink violently grappled with his fighting sister and offered her the blade to see. This blade here is called the Soul Biter. Not an eloquent name, certainly. An elf, were he to craft the weapon, would have decided on a better, more imaginative phrasing. Don't you agree? Look at your victim there. Look at her face. You know what the soul is like especially attuned the elves are to its presence, its dominion, its palace, its place. I don't have to tell you that. All to test and improve our relationship with our soul, to make us value it. We are introduced to it at a very young age, at the aging ceremony that we participate in 300 years into our lives. 
bears communion with it, a joyous event. It's also a frightful and cruel one. A hundred twelve years after that, I don't have to tell you of the pain inflicted by the elder elves. Again, a rite of passage. We experience the joy as well as the trauma at a very early age. We come to appreciate the soul, but even then you are quite unprepared for a death that burdens and scars and corrupts the soul, like the soul biter inflicts. Sister Penshaw, now stricken with grief and remorse, looked at the face of the woman, her long-time companion and loyal confidant she had just cut down. There was no masking the terror and horror frozen on that face. Penshaw herself grew terrified. Her acute empathy, the empathy peculiar to all else, allowing her to appreciate what the woman felt passing through death's door. Brother Pink placed the hands on his knees and took a breath. I don't envy her, that's for sure. That woman experienced something as she passed from life into death. What was it? I refuse to imagine I've taken many a life I have not had a problem causing anyone pain. I don't have to tell you that. You know that about me, your brother. But I am selfish. Touching you with this blade will injure me as well. Fear this weapon as much as I do. All right, all right, conceded Queen Penshaw, her eyes askance. I will tell you my secret, I will. Another chirped command from the brother, and the human king removed his firm grip of Queen Penshaw and took a step back. There, there, my sister. Do tell me your secret. You have no reason to fear me. Queen Penshaw looked back at the concealed door in the wall behind the bedstand and winced. A tickle came to her throat. Well, demanded her brother, scowling. I'm pregnant. King Pink fell back. What's this? I thought you had taken precautions. After what I told you, what I insisted you do, having your bowel scoured having your bowl scoured i need no rival not among the children of the firstborn especially not from the loin of my sister i assumed you would not ever bear a child you thought it odious you thought it beneath you i know that about you the queen glowered at her brother i never listened to you not once i suspected my murder which is why i never told you i fear for him now as much as I fear for my own life. King Pink stood and let out a sigh. Why didn't I see it? Your son in your bowl, as bright as day. Yes, that is your secret. I must have gone blind as long as I spent in the fiery sulfur belching pits of hell all those thirty years now. How am I in the wrong? You have spread your seed everywhere, despite telling me different. You have. Everywhere among dozens of elven women, all of them full-bloods. I know about you. You have not been able to keep it a secret. All the elves know. They know you are the father of the saplings. You've been busy these past several years, impregnating so many women. There are thousands of your children throughout the Abyssine. You intend their takeover. The nadir of the firstborn, the zenith of the saplings. I have a nation, a nation, and I am king of the saplings. The world is in transition. The elder elves, the dwarves, the half-breeds, the humans, all will pass away. War will ravage this world. For a generation or more, 
There will be many deaths. The races that did people, the Abyssinian will pass away. They will be replaced by those most worthy. Kill her, instructed King Pink, with my blade, and cover her face while you do it. I may be strong, but not that strong. King chased himself, shook his head painfully, and backed away. I see, he announced. I see now. What's this noise, insisted King Pink? Are you as useless to me as all half-elves? Here, step aside. I'll do it myself. And as Pink leaned heavily on his sister and brought his blade close, he told her, I will teach you for disobeying me, for trying to deceive me. Imagine, if you will, the grief of that child inside your womb, the suffering he will experience, how wrenching that will be, having only known the comfort of the womb. There will be no peace for him, none, ever. Don't do it, warned Chase. Don't do it, I'm telling you. Shut up, barked the king. Hope I don't cut down your whole nation. You don't know my hunger for vengeance. I'll spend eternity cutting down every last man, woman, and child, Wukdu. And as brother and sister desperately and carelessly flashed in and out of reality and wrestled over the dreadful blade, King Chase fearlessly slid in behind the king, his own legendary blade in his hand. The soul-biter was wrenched one way, then another. The king snorted a laugh of victory, then triumphantly thrust the blade into his sister's stomach into the womb. Once the blade touched the fetus, there was such an agonizing scream when that voiced the wounded souls of not one, but two damned spirits. King Pink himself was scorched by it, violently thrown back, but he recovered. It was if with difficulty. King Pink enunciated carefully his contempt. What is this you've done? It is an effrontery to me. It is. You must have seen my intentions of creating a rival race of elves, of displacing the firstborn, of making my own seed the only elves peopling the Abyssin and the first forest. Your rival son has been slain. The hope you had in displacing me and my own has not succeeded. You die, but your suffering has just begun. She deceived me. She has deceived us both. What's this you talk about, lesser human? She approached me. She must have known who I am. Chief was, Chase was miserable with grief. He could not stop condemning himself. I did not see it. Not once. Not till now. Human Chase, step aside, ordered the king, elf king. I have plans for you, but you must promise loyalty to me and mine. Lower your sword. But King Chase became outraged, menacing. His head grew beet red. Do you know what you have done? I did not know it at first. I discussed the sex we enjoyed, your sister and me. I thought nothing of it till now. You have slain my son, the king of the half-breeds. My victory was that there would be a half-breed, a nation coexisting with the Wukdu. My nation existing, fortified by its alliance with the half-breeds. Chase forced the king toward the balcony. He leveled his blade and approached the arrogant elf. You are a fool to think you can slay me 
insisted Pink. You should fear me. I am an endowed warrior, skilled at the art of disarming a superior opponent. And King Chase, or it could hit the ground, drunken now, dizzy with the fear of any wound he suffered from the blade. The king took a step back, swooning. Have you wounded me? Pink looked at his wound, then up at the man standing in front of him, then back at the wound. Pink flashed crisply out of existence, popping up adjacent to his sparring companion. The thelp thrust out a well-trained hand, but he was unable to disarm the man. King Chase dodged the swift move made by the elf while sweeping his lethal blade around and up. The soul biter cut through the king like butter. King Pink slipped to the floor, his blood and entrails slopping out. Is this what eternity is like for me? He shuddered, looking through his killer. God, the pain. How must I survive this? King Pink, slowly agonizingly, faded away. Only his screams remained, touching the entire chamber with a crimson glow. Chase, with a chill running through him, dropped his vile blade. He descended the marble stairs and swooped in and knelt beside his former bride, the Queen Penshaw, and considered heavily both her and her unborn son. Their unborn son. There were remnants to him, his soul, a fire like dying embers. Even a blind human could see that. What must I do? queried King Chase, looking past the slain woman at the sapphire blue sky crowning the balcony. The full-blood elves most certainly will die, all of them. The saplings replaced them, the saplings loving their father pink, the saplings intent on revenge, slaying them all, against me, against humanity. They knew who has slain their father. They all share their hate for me. And that concludes episode five of book three. I will have episode six um, sometime next week. Thanks for listening. Bye now.